Oh, thank you, thank you, everyone. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you guys are watching this. Um, and for those of you who are still in bed, thank you for inviting me to St. Mattress of the Springs. This is my first time speaking there. It's great. Anyways, I, I'm Jay McKinley. I'm one of the youth pastors here at BCDC. And uh, I just want to say, hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, we are now in our third week of uh, video recording our sermons as we're uh, navigating our way through the COVID-19 virus situation. And now we're almost, what, one week where we're housebound. Um, so I know it's been hard for a lot of us, but uh, from what I'm gathering, most people are um, adjusting pretty well. And I hear of a lot of stories where people are coming together and just helping those who are in need. And so I say just keep on being the hands and feet of Jesus Church. Uh, but hey, this last several weeks we have been in a series of the last words of Jesus. Um, and uh, just looking at, at Jesus' words on the cross where he spoke. And last week Michael um, spoke on the last words of, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Michael looked at two perspectives um, of, of that uh, statement. And that one was that Jesus suffered to encourage us. And that, that Jesus scream on the cross encouraged us because we serve a God who, who is in, fully in touch with our pain. And secondly, that, that Jesus suffered to save us, that, that this was his mission, and that he was set out to accomplish this mission on the cross. And this weekend, I'm going to be looking at the last words, I am thirsty. And so let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump in. So Father in heaven, we invite your presence. I invite your presence in this room right now as I speak. And in the presence of everyone who is watching and listening now, I ask Lord, that you would bring revelation. I ask that you would guide my, my words, my thoughts. And we just pray that we can come to know you and your heart for your church, your heart for humanity, Jesus. So come, Lord. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at John 19, 28 through 29. And so I'll go ahead and read that. It says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted to Jesus' lips. So Jesus said, I am thirsty. And we all know what it's like to have thirst, to have the physical need for fluids. For uh, us nighttime mouth breathers, we know what it's like every morning to wake up and have a dry mouth and a tongue that feels like it may not be alive. Right? And, and we know the, the pain and suffering that our spouse has going through the night experiencing that as well. Oh, I, I see Elba's right now. I see it. But... But we also know what it's like um, for those of us who have had surgery and you can't drink fluids the night before or the morning of. You know how difficult it can be without going with water or any drink. Or for those of us who like to exercise or who, uh, who, who still exercise and don't like to do it, 
or have played a sport, we know what it's like to generate great thirst. And when we look at Scripture and Jesus' last uh, day on this earth, it's hard to, to get past the excruciating reality of all the physical suffering that he had endured. Uh, he was spit on, he was slapped, he was punched. They, they took a crown of thorns and, and embedded it into his head. They then took a staff and beat him on the head with it. And, and then Pilate had Jesus flogged. Um, and if that wasn't enough to kill him, they then nailed him to the cross. So this was an unimaginable way to suffer and to die. And because of this torture, um, there would have been great blood loss. And, and Jesus was undoubtedly dehydrated, extremely thirsty, and Jesus made a request for his thirst to be quenched. And all of us in some fashion can relate to what, it, what it's like to, to have this basic human need for our thirst to be quenched. And going along with what Michael shared last week is that we can identify with Jesus and he can identify with us in our shared humanity and Jesus understands what it's like to be human, to feel pain, to thirst, to hunger. He understands what it's like to stub a toe or to get a splinter. He understands what it's like to pop a zit. You ever think of that? But he also understands what it's like to, to be rejected and, and to lose a loved one to death. But Jesus also understands what it's like to laugh. He understands uh, what it's like to dine with family and friends, to experience the warmth of a loved one's embrace, to smell fresh baked bread. So Jesus, he can identify with us in our humanity. But when Jesus said, I am thirsty, he didn't say this purely out of a physical need. We see in verse 28, it states, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Jesus said this to fulfill scripture. So that's our first point. Our first point is Jesus spoke to fulfill scripture and to fulfill his mission. So kind of two points in one, but just roll with me. You ask, well, what scripture was fulfilled here? Well, let me tell you. It's Psalm 69, 21. It says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. So Jesus, he knew that he was the long-awaited Messiah, and he was on a mission, and part of that mission was to fulfill scripture. Now, Bible scholars, they've written numerous books about the prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled, and conservative estimates point to at least 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled during his earthly ministry. And some of these prophecies, Jesus had no way of, of uh, controlling, uh, like such as his place of birth. We can look to Micah 5.2, uh, which was written around 700 B.C., uh, which states that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, of Judea, 
or Isaiah 7.14 that, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, or Psalm 22.16 that the, the Messiah's hands and, and feet would be pierced, or further on in 22.18 that they would divide his clothing and cast lots for them. So there's many, many prophecies that, that Jesus fulfilled that he had no way of orchestrating himself. But yet Jesus also did things to fulfill prophecy, such as riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, or that he would speak in parables found in Psalm 78.2, or that he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From Psalm 22.1, or today's verse, I am thirsty, from Psalm 69.21. So Jesus, he was on a mission. He was on a mission from the moment of his birth to his final breath. Jesus came to fulfill the Father's will on earth as it's done in heaven, to fulfill every prophecy written about him. And Jesus didn't allow anything to come in the way of this. And we even find that Jesus could have actually uh, satisfied his thirst before he said, I am thirsty. We read in Matthew 27, 34, it says, They offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. So Jesus here, he's offered wine, but he refuses it because it's mixed with a drug that could have eased his pain. Jesus, he did not want to dull his senses. Even though he could have quenched his thirst, and escaped some of the pain, he chose to abstain and experience every aspect of the crucifixion. Jesus was literally dead set on accomplishing the Father's will. His every purpose, in every moment, in every situation, in every conversation, Jesus was constantly going to the Father, asking for guidance, Asking, how should I respond? How, how should I pray? How should I react in this situation? Now, personally, in preparation of this message and reflecting on uh, this verse and reflecting on Christ, I quickly come to the awareness that I fall far short of this, of this all-out commitment. And I'm probably in good company with you guys. All we have to do is really reflect on the past 24 hours, or the past 12 hours, or the past 10 minutes possibly, right? And see how often we react and respond or live in a way that is outside of the will of God. Now we all, we have different pressures and stresses in our lives, whether that be financial stress, relational, physical, emotional, or even crises that we face. But when we face them and live in them and live through them, how are we responding to them? How are we responding to those who are around us? How are we responding to God? When the pressure is building, 
or the future is unclear, are we putting our hope, are we putting our trust in God? Are we asking God's will to be done in that circumstance? Or are we allowing our circumstances to dictate how we are responding, how we're responding to our spouse or to our children or to our parents or our classmate or our coworker or our enemy. Like when our spouse, when they're not fulfilling our needs emotionally or sexually or financially or they're not living up to their end of the deal, are we responding with a cold shoulder by shutting them out? By being unkind when the various sources of stress in our lives from school or work or relationships is our response retreating to our Heavenly Father or do we quickly try to dull our senses and numb ourselves by retreating to food to drink to entertainment to excessive work, to shopping, to anything that tantalizes our senses. So do I have permission to, to ask you a question or ask myself a question? Oh, thanks for saying yes. <laughs> what comes out of you when you're squeezed? What's coming out of you during this season that we're in? Are you quickly going to Jesus with your anxiety? With what the future holds for you? Your job? Your 401k? Do I have enough toilet paper? Now some of you, you are at extreme peace during this time. You trust that Jesus has you in this situation, whether you have a job or not right now. But the future isn't the issue that you're having with the problem you're having right now. It's actually the present. You just doubled, quadrupled the amount of time that you're spending with your spouse, with your parents, with your children. Like we are all in close quarters right now. It, it can be terrible. We're not used to it. Right Now, I believe that, that God, that God can be in the middle of the unknown, in the middle of the disruption, in the middle of the perceived chaos. God wants to meet us in this time, in our relationships, in our questioning, and how we respond to others when we're in close quarters. And this time shall pass. And we'll have new opportunities and new situations and new personal dynamics, relational dynamics, personal crises that we're going to face. And God offers to be with us in them. He offers to guide us, guide our responses, our reactions, our prayers. And as we experience the hard realities of life, we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciple, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Following Jesus isn't always easy. It's a life 
where we're called to do things that are against our nature. Jesus says if we want to be his disciple, we must take up our cross. These are big crosses and little crosses. We're called to experience persecution, to experience rejection, to suffer, to love when we don't want to love, to be willing to lay down our rights and to turn the other cheek, to listen to God and to respond to him. Now, when we hear the words, take up your cross, I think that it can be easy for us to think that we're just called to grin and bear it, right? That we should suffer for suffering's sake. But I I don't think that's the case. God wants to do a work in us and through us as we take up our cross. Now, my beautiful wife, Jamie, who's sitting in the corner here, so if I'm distracted and I keep on looking over there, it's because (laughs) she's in here. But we just celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary on the 21st. And as many marriages experience, we have experienced our ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Um, And a few years ago, we experienced one of the hardest years of marriage um, to date. And there was many things going around on in our life, surrounding us with different relationships and, and different pressures. And our marriage was not doing well. And, and for those of you who really know me, um, I can sometimes be a jerk and selfish and arrogant and impatient and speak without thinking. And I don't always love well. And I came to the realization that I was not loving my wife well at all. And so I began to pray. I said, God, will you give me your love to love Jamie? And and that became like, if not a daily prayer, uh, just a consistent prayer. Asking Jesus, I, I, I need your love to love my wife. And, and God doesn't always answer my prayers quickly, or he puts them on hold. He says, not right now. But this prayer, he answered pretty darn quickly. And it wasn't but like three weeks later, Jamie came to me and said, I can tell that you are loving me better. And I was like, yeah, prayer works, and told her about it, right? And, and around that period too, like um, my wife um, turned 40, I mean, 30? No, she turned, <laughs> she turned 40. Um, and I got this idea, and I believe this idea was from the Lord. But I got this idea that I was going to write down 40 notes of things that I loved about her, uh, different qualities about her that I really loved. And I hid these notes throughout the house uh, for her to find. Um, and I tell you what, as I wrote those things down, it reminded me of how much I really love my wife. Um, and it also showed her of how much that I loved and appreciated her. And so taking up my cross in that situation was asking for God's intervention, to ask him for his eyes and his heart for my wife. And it all, and not only changed me, 
uh, it changed my wife as well. And, and, it, and it changed our circumstance and it got us through. So during this season and the seasons to come, we have the opportunity to press into God, to take moments throughout the day to ask Him to guide us, to guide our words, our responses, to release things to Him that cause us anxiety, anger, lust, things that cause you, you fill in the blank. To walk with God throughout the day And when we do this, I believe that God is going to provide what you need in that moment or in that season. We're going to move to our second point here. And our second point is Jesus spoke of a spiritual reality. When he spoke, he did have... uh, a physical thirst, but more so he spoke of something that was happening in the spiritual realm, that he had a spiritual thirst. And we read in Luke 23, 44 through 45, it says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So we read that the darkness came over the land uh, for, for three hours. And just before Jesus said his very last words, it is finished. It says that the temple uh, curtain was torn, symbolizing that through Christ, we now have access to the Father. No longer is there any barrier separating us from the Father. So during Jesus' time on the cross, there was something that was happening in the spirit realm. While Jesus was on the cross, he was experiencing punishment for all of humanity's sin. We read in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. As Jesus was on the cross, he was experiencing hell and punishment for sin, for all that humanity deserves. And we can't completely understand or comprehend what it was like uh, for, for Jesus as a man, as being human, while being fully divine, was able to experience Uh, punishment for humanity's sin all at once. We have no idea what what that is like. Now, theologians, they they wrestle with what actually occurred with the relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit on the the cross. Uh, Some argue that there was separation. When, When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some say that there was separation that occurred. Some argue that, that, yes, Jesus was separated in his humanity, but not in his divinity. And, and some argue, no, there is no separation. And then there's in between as well. But one thing that we can say for sure is that this spiritual reality had no precedent. It had no precedent. But in the, in the perspective of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is 
what they're willing to go to, the length they were willing to go to rec- to reconcile humanity to God. And Jesus endured this all on the cross. And through this, he reiterated his thirst for his relationship with the Father. Jesus was in complete obedience to the Father. He did this out of love. He did this out of longing. He did this out of obedience. And even after suffering and taking punishment for all of humanity, suffering uh, hell, Jesus said to the Father, I am thirsty. I still thirst for you. Nothing could separate the Father from the Son. So when Jesus spoke of his thirst, he fulfilled scripture. He reiterated his mission. And he spoke of a spiritual reality of what just occurred. We read in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the truth and the hope that we have in Christ. As followers of Christ, that the truth and hope that, that, that all who will receive Jesus as their Savior, this is the hope that we have when we're not carrying our crosses when we're squeezed and nasty stuff comes out of us, we know that because of our Savior, we are forgiven. But not just that we're forgiven, but we have been called to a message of reconciliation. That when we do sin, we're called to repent and ask for forgiveness. And when we are sinned against, we're called to forgive, and to be reconciled. So Jesus saying, I am thirsty, demonstrates Jesus' unwavering commitment and obedience to the Father to accomplish the Father's will and to fulfill Scripture. And this is also a challenge for us as believers knowing that Jesus was completely dependent upon the Father to accomplish this task. If Jesus was dependent, how much more are we? So as we continue in the season that we're in, let us not do it by our own strength. Let us not try to go to any other source but our Father to give us life and to sustain us. And let us be continually encouraged in this Lenten season, reflecting on all that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen.